0: Last week, what do you say about last week? Last week was a lot of fun, right? (laughs) I actually kind of thought it was in a way. Um, I thought we had a really good lively discussion um, and uh, it got my wheels turning and got me thinking. I actually had lunch with Rob this week and um, listened to him for like two hours, <laughs> it was again. It was good stuff. It was just it was like okay. Um, so uh, yeah, everything was going okay until I mentioned Romans 13, and then kind of the wheels fell off. But um, so we really didn't make a lot of progress last week. But since I'm a glutton for punishment, I'm back this week, and uh, so we'll we'll see how things go. Let me pray, and then I'll give a little more intro, and we'll we'll get into it. Father God, we thank you for this day, I thank you for this body of believers, for the blessing it is to um, be able to discuss your word and to talk about your word with those who, um, so many people who have a good a good basis and a good knowledge of your word. Um, and Father, today I just pray that as we um, look into your word and we talk about some other things um, involving government and things like that, that you would just be in the center of all that, that you would be directing and you'd be guiding, you'd be opening our minds to understand um, how you've created this world and how you have um, put the uh, put things together and that we would, uh, in all things, submit our will, submit our opinions and our thoughts to you and to your word. Thanks for this time, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so my initial thought was, um, you know what, I'm just going to say we covered 1 through 18, or 1 through 15, and and just, you know, keep going. Um and I thought, no, I can't really do that. But I could justify that we went through verse 7 and then, and then say that, you know, we went from there. Um, in the end, I said, no, we're, we're going back to, <laughs> for the third week in a row, we're going to talk about verse 1, and then we'll, um, I really think that by the time we're done today, my intention, my hope is actually that we're only going to get through like verse 4. Um, but there we go. So, we are in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, and again, I'm just going to read verse 1. Who is like the wise man, and who knows the interpretation of a matter? A man's wisdom illumines him and causes his stern face to beam. It seems like every week the Lord kind of shows me something else about verse 1, so we're not going to talk, we're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but um, I just was thinking about it more this week, and it's like, who is the wise person who knows how to understand what's going on? Well, ultimately, God is, right? God is uh, the wisest. So when a, a man understands and f- the fear of the Lord, when he has this proper understanding of who God is, when he places himself under the authority of God, when he submits himself to the Spirit, when he understands that there's a go- there is a God and he's not it, when he allows Christ to live through him, he is on the path to wisdom. And so, um, I don't remember if if James ever made it up there last week, I think I had it, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without without reproach, and it will be given to him. So what it's saying, I think, is God is 100% willing to give us wisdom. He loves his children, and he is very, very ready and willing to, to give us wisdom, um, but just don't assume that it's going to come neatly wrapped in a box with a bow on it and here you go. You know, Wisdom comes through life experience, through difficulties, through um, all these different things that happen in life. So that's all I'm going to say about verse 1 at this point, unless it comes up again. So let's read verses 2 through 4. And actually, we may get through five or six today. Anyway, I say, keep the commandment of the king because of the oath before God. Do not be in a hurry to leave him. Do not join in an evil matter, for he will do whatever he pleases. Since the word of the king is authoritative, who will say to him, what are you doing? So here's where Rob's point from last week became poignant. Um, Who was the king at this time? Solomon, right? Um, was Solomon, was the Israelite king supposed to be a secular king? No. No, he was not. Um, He was not supposed to be a non-spiritual and non-religious leader. That wasn't supposed to be the way it was in Israel. Israel was never to have a secular government. Did they at times have a secular government? Oh, very much so. Yeah, um, the one that always jumps out at me is Ahab with Jezebel and what a mess. And, you know, Isaiah, or, uh, um, he's, help me out. It, Elijah um, is hiding out, you know, and and in fear of, because he is a man of God and Ahab and Jezebel are nasty, bad people, and so he's he's running from them. So... Israel's is supposed to have a, a government that is what we would call religious, spiritual. It's supposed to be God-centered, not just man-centered, right? Who gave the king his authority? Where did it come from? From God. Where does any government get its power? Where does the authority, where is it supposed to come from? It's supposed to, it's supposed to originate and come from God. Um. what is a government's purpose? Why is a government necessary? I've been thinking a lot about this, so. <laughs> Let's see how much y'all have been thinking about it. Uh, okay. No right. You know, Everyone did as he saw fit. Right. And then there's this response at the end that also doesn't seem just. Right. And it ends as well with they had no king and they didn't everybody did what he saw. So yeah. I think the king, in my opinion, is supposed to to be the ruling authority that keeps the justice of God. Okay. You know, and keeps us pointed back to God. Not okay. say I, I would say America was founded certainly with an expectation that we would, we were a God very nation. Right. Absolutely. And the, and the separation of church and state wasn't about, you know, not fearing God. Right. It, it was about not having a single denomination. Right. You know, not, not having the church rule exactly. is really what it came down to. So, I you know, I've said before that my way of working through these things is to ask questions. And usually when I start asking questions, eventually I get back to, the Garden of Eden? Because it's like you, you're asking these questions and you get further and further back. So w- let me ask you, was there government in the Garden? Yes and no. How? What, what would you say? Jack? Okay. Right. Okay. I, let me ask it another way. Was there authority in the garden? Clearly there was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So God can't tell them, don't do this, if there's not authority, right? The, author, if, as soon as you say, don't do this, it's, there's assumed authority. Correct. Um, so there was there was authority and there was order, right? There was order. God created everything very orderly. God put order in His creation, and then what happened? We fell. Sin was introduced, and what did sin introduce? Disorder, Disorder chaos. I would expect you to say that. <laughs> I know, no, no, but it's, but it's there, right? Chaos, it's there. So now order still exists, but chaos has been introduced, right? Everybody with me? So now the world is uncertain. Not just nature, but also people. We're no longer harmonious. we no, 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 we no longer naturally get along we find out that out very quickly with Cain and Abel because of our self focus we all want our own way and because we're self focused we add to the chaos in an attempt to keep the chaos in check in check and protect themselves from the uncertainties of life and the uncertainties that other people bring, people largely gathered into family groups, right? We kind of see that as, we, as you start to see the early chapters of, of uh, Genesis. You know, people are, you, you hear about this guy and he goes away and, and, and it doesn't say it, but you realize he's taking, he's got this family and he's taking his family over there. And of course, at first everybody's gathering together and hey, let's build a tower you know, up to the sky. And God's like, no, this is not what I <laughs> what we were looking for. So after the flood, then He's like, I got to scatter these people. I got to mix up their languages so they they can't keep just coming together. I, I I gave them a direction. I told them fill the earth and subdue it. And they're not doing that. So He confused languages to get everybody to to scatter. Well, now there's you know with that with that language barrier, then becomes hostility. If I can't understand you, I don't trust you. We see that in our world still today. That, that doesn't shock us at all. Kevin? interesting, too, in that story of Tower of Babel, it says it starts with they have a common language vocabulary. and vocabulary. Right. It's kind of redundant, but when you look at the word language, it's actually a myth or a border. Hmm. And so when we don't have a common border, it right. so yeah. I've been looking a lot at that as well and trying to understand what is the purpose of government and what does God do? And in that case, I think, in the Tower of Babel, I think people were united in one global rule. Right. Humanity would be the, the God. Right. Rather than God being God. Right. And so he had to, in a way, create hostility between people. Right. But then what is our responsibility after that as far as how we rule? You know? Right. Right. The so... Yeah, so I think I think what, what took place is people so they gather they you know it's it's natural you as a man you find a wife and you get married and you have kids and you want to protect your kids, right? And then your kids get married and and so you've got this kind of this larger group and we look if you look at Abraham and think about him and and how you know he left Er, and he went to you know we went where God's telling him to go. But he, you can see this 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 thing is growing. You know even though he only has eventually two sons, you know he he tells uh, you know he tells Lot there's not room for both of us. You know I'm going to go this way, you go that way. And even though he doesn't have a lot of Porter, what do you? Yeah, yeah. But anyway, he, he's. He's not, you know, it's not like he has a, a huge family, but but he's he's amassing these people that are not just all his sons and, and wives and things like that. But there's there's protection in this group, right? And so you end up with Abraham being the patriarch. He's the one who makes decisions. Now, so I think that, that mankind is recognizing that there needs to be leadership, there needs to be headship, there needs to be someone who's making a final decision, right? Um, Somebody that, you know, there's a a myriad of things that have to be decided. Are are we going to go to war? Are we going to, you know, who's going to protect us? Where are we going to live? Somebody's got to be the one that the buck stops here. Um, And who is that who's that really supposed to be? It's really supposed to be God, Right. Well, and, and even with Abraham, though, we go, you know, yes, God was to a degree, but then we see him making decisions without God. You know, God didn't say, yeah, take your, you know, take Sarah's, you know, yeah. Did, so, so we see that, yes, he is making better decisions. He's looking to God more, but there's still that, you know, man-centered, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a decision because God said this thing, I need to make that happen, so there's kind of that that in all that. So. Yes, yep, absolutely. Okay, um, where am I? So man rejected God, so he's looking for someone to fill God's shoes. How do we expect that will work out? So based on all that, what would you say is the purpose of government? Based on that whole thing, keep order, keep order. protection. I think, it, I think it comes down to a lot, protection, and really I think doing what it can to make sure the citizenry can go about their lives without, without fear of intervention, without intervention from, to, to be able to do the things that, that a person needs to do to pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, or um, so that they're without fear of intervention by their own government, or by someone or someone, uh, someone or some entity outside of the nation, And with the caveat in there, as long as their actions are not infringing on someone else's freedoms and and things, so yep. In summary, that wouldn't be that governments are to execute God's ten commandments. In the Supreme Court, you have the ten commandments. I don't know on four or five places. Right. um, I hadn't thought of it in that terms. I mean, that's, that's certainly, I think that's part of it. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah. I think government also encourages direction. Okay. The leadership takes people in the direction that the leadership wants them to go, and that's not necessarily the tendency of, but I think it also directs people. Yeah, so she's saying, Heather's saying it, that government also directs, Kind of which way the nation is gonna go? Do we think it should? Jack? Well, the original signers of the declaration discovered the inalienable rights that God gives mankind. Right. Right. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the critical things from God's standard is maintain justice throughout society. Right. Maintaining justice throughout society. Uh from God's perspective, that's that's a big deal, absolutely. Um so so we start to get a feel for what, what government's for. Um I do believe this is uh, kind of a side note here, but I believe an important statement is made in the last sentence of the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence, which speaks of the fact that if we want this nation to work or any government to last, we need to be focused not just on our life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, but that our neighbor, that of our neighbor as well. and. Um, And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. So there's, you know, we, growing up, I know, in this, you know, country, you hear, you always hear, you know, kids are talking, it's like, um, it's free country, I can do what I want, you know, and we recognize as, as we and you recognize that there's a lot of people out there who still, adults, who still have that perspective. It's a free country. I can do what I want. Well, if you want it to stay a free country, we have to be not just for ourselves. We have to be for each other. And we have to not only that, but we, we can't be, well, it's okay if, if everything's cool here, but we can accept, you know, that we can be jerks to everybody else in the world as long as we're nice to you know, people in America. There's, we start to recognize that it's not just, I, I, I'm protecting my own, um, and that's what the government's job is. Um, I think that sometimes we don't get, what doesn't get conveyed in America is that we, we have the freedom to sacrifice for one another. I think sometimes that gets lost. Well, that certainly is true. Sure, right. Which, which is is important for this sentence, because if God's not involved, then why? There's a whole lot that gets lost. There's a whole lot that gets lost, and if there's no more if there's no morality that comes from a a a, a lawgiver then who are you to tell me that i need to do anything but watch out for myself right so you're right absolutely so what authority should government have What authority should government have? This again is from the Declaration. And um, yeah, yeah, as free and independent states, they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and do all other acts and things which independent states may have right to do. So this is what the founding fathers were sending to the king in England and saying, you're not letting us be what we need to be, so we're going to be that. And and you're not doing the job you should be doing, so this is what we're going to do in order to bring that about. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I I went to the... I went to the Declaration, and I read through the Constitution again. Just It's been a while, and I need to be doing that more often than I do. Um, but you realize when you read through it that these men were, they had a fear of God, and they were concerned about and recognized that, that a nation can't, a government can't really function as it should apart from this morality and these laws that come from God. And so that's why there's, you know, in, in a Sunday school class, I'm bringing up the Declaration of Independence a few times because I think um, there, were some, there were some godly men. Not everybody was, I understand that, um, but they all recognized that whether they were Christians, they certainly recognized there was a, there was a creator who, uh, was over all these things. Um, so this would be predicated on the earlier statements in the Declaration that these things, um, the government would carry out, and yet would refrain from impinging on or violating the inalien- unalienable rights of the citizenry, which are endowed or given by their Creator. And in my discussion with Rob this week, that was that definitely came up. The that that. We have rights that we often delegate or we deputize the, you know, the government with, but we can't give them away. They're still ours. They, we, they still are—God doesn't say you can just give those away. They are still part of us, okay? So I can, I can give somebody authority to go protect my stuff or whatever, But it doesn't mean that they just get to do whatever they want now. They still have to answer to me, and that's the way government is supposed to be. Um, Let's see. So let's talk a little bit about anarchy. Does anarchy square with God's principles? So anarchy noun, a, uh, an absence of government, a state of lawlessness or political disorder due to the absence of governmental authority, a utopian society of individuals who enjoy complete freedom without government, to A, absence or denial of any authority or established order, B, absence of order, three, anarchism. Synonyms would be lawlessness and misrule. Is that what freedom looks like? Why not? We know that it doesn't. (laughs) What's missing? God. And and why does God need to be there? Because we are sinful. Right. Right. There is order, and order is lost. There is authority. Yeah. And all these things are, yeah, it's like, oh, sure, absence of government, that'd be nice. Don't have to pay taxes, right? Whatever. Um, Yeah, C, 1C, a utopian society of individuals who enjoy complete freedom without government. Where have we seen that? Nowhere. Nowhere. So it's, it's an ideal that doesn't exist. Why not? It's not how we were created. It goes back to that discussion about um, wanting to find our own righteousness, believing that we can have our own righteousness, but we can't. Right. Right. Yeah, an anarchy is not the absence of authority, it's making yourself the authority. So, um, it it's, did not make us individual and um, giving us authority get, of the authority. Yeah, this believes that we can all have equal authority that we can all just have authority over ourselves, and and that's okay. But it doesn't work out that way because we all have our own self-focus as part of it. Yes? Right. Right. And, and I had a thought and I lost it. That's right. Probably need to move on. Um, where did we leave Israel? Solomon said to obey the king because of the oath before God. Was that an oath made by the people or by the king? <laughs> um, so Solomon said to obey the king because of the oath before God. Was that an oath made by the people or by the king? I think it's kind of both. It's there, There's not a lot of, I was looking and looking and looking, and it was a little hard. To, you can find places where the people made an oath before God. Yes, well, you know, whatever things happen, you know, we're okay with God saying it's not going to go well with you. Well, it's okay, we don't care, um, And uh, there's also oaths that the king made. Um, So I kind of see evidence of both. Um, What responsibility did Israel have to keep the king's command? This is Deuteronomy 17. Now it shall come about... When he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself a copy of this law on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priests. It shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by carefully observing all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted up above his countrymen, and that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right or to the left, so that he and his sons may continue long in his kingdom In the midst of Israel. So it kind of feels like to me that uh, to the degree the king was following the law and statutes of God, the people were to be following the king. Does that make sense? Is there any evidence that that's true as you think through the Old Testament? Think about some of the bad kings. Did God tell the people that they should follow his example? When a king set up an ashram somewhere or he made a new uh, um, altar somewhere other than what God has prescribed and and he's going to sacrifice on that altar, does God say you should go do what the king said? No. Yeah. Israel? Israel? Yes? Right. Yeah, it, it doesn't say that in Ahab's day, you know, yeah, don't pay temple tax. Don't, don't do the things that maintain. Now, those things may have been getting corrupted. Um, they probably were. There were all kinds of things that were out of line and messed up. But even if the king commands, you're supposed to do this, It doesn't say that do it because the king said to. There is still the law of God. But we are are to follow the things that don't violate God's law. Um, Was God all for Israel having a king? No, he was not. 1 Samuel 8:1-8:4-9. Uh, then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah, and they said to him, Behold, you have grown old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. In your ways, now appoint a king for us to judge us, uh, to judge us like all the nations. But the thing was displeasing in the sight of Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. The Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people, and in, reg- in regard to all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you. But they have rejected me from being king over them, like all the deeds which they have done since the day that I brought them out from Egypt, even to this day, and that they have forsaken me and served other gods. So they are doing to you also. Now then, listen to their voice. However, you shall solemnly warn them and tell them of the procedure of the king who will reign over them. And God had already warned them of some of the things that were going to happen when a when a king came about. Um, I think it was back in Deuteronomy. So God wasn't in favor of it, right? Um, he, because he knows that we need him, that he's that even the very best man uh, ever will fail miserably because of his sin nature. Um, so he's like, you need authority, but you need me, Porter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't that really make anarchy the absence of the fear of God more than absence of the government? Hmm. Right. He's asking does doesn't an i uh doesn't it make anarchy more the, the what did you say, the lack the absence of the fear of God more than the absence of, the, of government. It's a Good point. Because government should be based on the fear of the Lord. Um, let me keep going because we're not going to get as far as I was hoping, probably. Uh, the people were undeterred, and so Samuel spoke all the words of the Lord to the people who had asked of him a king. He said, "'This will be the procedure of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and place, the, place them for himself.'" In his chariots and among his horsemen, and they will run before his chariots. He will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and of fifties, and some to do his plowing and to reap his harvest and to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will also take your daughters for perfumers and workers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and your vineyards and your olive groves and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your seed and of your vineyards and give to his officers and to his servants. He will also take your male servants and your female servants and your best young men and your donkeys and use them for his work. He will take a tenth of your flocks and, your, and you yourselves will become his servants and you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourself. For yourselves, but the Lord will not answer you in, the, in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel and they said, no, but there shall be a king over us that we also may be like all the nations that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Now after Samuel had heard all the words of the people, he repeated them in the Lord's hearing. The Lord said to Samuel, listen to their voice and appoint them a king. So Samuel said to the men of Israel, go every man to his city. Government. Yay. (laughs) They had, when we look at all the things that, government did, was going to do, and, and what do they get out of it? They get, yeah, they get, uh, we have a king over us, he'll go out, we'll be all like all the other nations, and he'll judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Did they need that? They already had that, didn't they? Without all the, without all the junk that came with it. But no, we want to be like the rest of the world. They wanted to give their authority away to someone else. They didn't really want to be responsible for themselves, to make decisions for themselves or their families. They wanted somebody else to do it. They would grouse and complain about it when the king did things they didn't like, but they weren't really prepared to step up and do anything. Does that sound familiar? What happens when all we do is complain about what the government is doing, but we don't really get involved? Is anyone guilty of that? I know I am, more often than I'd like to admit. And of course, we know Israel's history and that their kings failed, and they failed. Eventually, they went into captivity and exile where they no longer had one of their countrymen as king over them, but a Gentile. Then after they returned to the land, they ended up under the rule of multiple other nations, and the priests and other spiritual leaders like the Pharisees and Sadducees ended up being the spiritual authority as they were under the governing authorities of Rome and and others, right? So that's, that's kind of Israel's history. What about us? What oath have we made before God? Have we sworn fealty, fealty, however you say that, to the king or government? I know we've all pledged allegiance to the flag of the United States and to the republic for which it stands. True. Yeah. Right. As If we're born here, we may not ever really think those words or say those words in the same way. As a believer in Jesus Christ, what oath have you made before God in relation to your government? Or maybe a better question is, what responsibility do you have before God to the government? 1 Peter chapter 2, why don't you turn there? You're not getting off easy on this one. First Peter chapter two, starting in verse thirteen. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men, and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bondslaves of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. So, that to me is a more even more powerful statement than what we talked about last week in Romans. But wait. Back up to verse 19, verse 9, sorry. What kind of things could we be slandered? Uh, sorry, verse 11. We're backing up to verse 11 first. Behold, I, uh, beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Okay, so um, what kind of things could we be slandered for? Well, back up to verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received received mercy. So based on verses 9 and 10, what kind of attitude could you adopt if you accept the truth of those verses? You're a chosen priesthood. You're a royal nation. Right, right, right. What I'm asking is, if I'm reading these two verses, could I get a bit puffed up? Could I come across to the people around me and to the government as I'm better than you? Could that happen? So then, in verse eleven, he says, "If you, I urge you, to abstain from fleshly lust." like what? Pride, arrogance. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. Based on that, don't be that way, but instead submit yourself, the Lord's sake, to every human institution. Who are we talking about here? Who, who's writing this? Peter. Um, go to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter four, four, verses one through four. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in jail until the next day for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the message believed and the number of the men came to about 5,000. And skip to verse 18. And when they had summoned them, they commanded them, this is the, the ruling um, Israelites, whatever. When they had uh, summoned them, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. They don't sound very obedient. Um, turn over to chapter 5, verse 17. But the high priest rose up along with all his associates, that is, the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy. They laid hands on the apostles and put them in public jail. But during the night an angel of the Lord opened the gates of the prison, and taking them out, he said, Go stand and speak to the people in the temple, the whole message of this life. Upon hearing this, they entered into the temple about daybreak and began to teach. Jump to verse 27. When they had brought them, they stood them before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, we gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name, and yet you have uh, filled Jerusalem with your teachings and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter, the apostle, answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you have put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and savior to grant repentance to Israel and, and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. And then 40 and 42, 40 to 42. They took his advice, and after calling apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and then released them. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching just as Jesus did. Right. Yeah. We are so out of time. Um, ugh. All right, I'm going to have to pick up. I thought I was going to get through, get through Friday and the sixth, but um, we're going to have to kind of remember where we were and pick up next week. So uh, I apologize. Got a little long. Father God, we thank you for again for this time. We thank you for um, the fact that you are in the midst of all things. You are.